You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Let's take our Bibles tonight to 1 Kings, 1 Kings chapter number 3. 1 Kings chapter number 3, we'll be discussing tonight the life of a man who was blessed by God. Tremendously blessed by God. He was blessed by God because he had a heart for God. And he wanted to please the Lord. And so God gave him his request. And even more than his request, we could say that this individual was blessed literally beyond measure. And so we're going to look at his life, but we're also going to see the mistake he made and how the same mistake can be made by us if we're not careful. So let's look in 1 Kings chapter 3. We all know about this man, King David's son, the next uh, heir to the throne, Solomon. And we find in 1 Kings chapter 3, starting in verse number 3, we'll read through verse 13. The Bible says, And Solomon loved the Lord. Amen. Walking in the statutes of David, his father, only he sacrificed and burned incense in high places. And the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the great high place. At this time, they didn't have the temple of God. It wasn't yet built, and so they sacrificed in these high places. This was a sacrifice. A thousand burnt offerings did Solomon offer upon that altar. In Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, Ask what I shall give thee. Solomon said, Thou hast showed unto thy servant David, my father, great mercy, according as he walked before thee in truth, and in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart with thee. And thou hast kept for him this great kindness, that thou hast given him a son to sit on his throne, as it is this day. And now, O Lord my God, verse 7, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David my father. And I am but a little child, I know not how to go out or come in. And thy servant is in the midst of thy people, which thou hast chosen a great people that cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude. Verse 9, give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people that I may discern between good and bad. For who is able to judge this thy so great a people? And the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. God said unto him, Because thou hast asked this thing, and hast not asked for thyself long life, neither hast thou asked riches for thyself, nor hast asked the life of thine enemies, but hast asked for thyself understanding to discern judgment. Behold, I have done according to thy words. Lo, I have given thee a wise and an understanding heart, so that there was none like thee before thee, neither after thee shall any arise like unto thee. And I have also given thee that which thou hast not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be any among the kings like unto thee all thy days. Lord, I pray that you bless. I pray that you'd speak to our hearts now in this moment as we open your word. Now, there's nothing about the preacher tonight, but there is something special about your word. And I pray that it would uh, penetrate our hearts tonight. God, I pray that seeds would be planted. God, I pray that it bring forth fruit and that uh, we may be refreshed, encouraged, and challenged to be closer to you, to live more for you. In our Christian lives, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. In the course of Solomon's life, God meets him three times, literally meets him and talks to him in a verbal voice. We find the first time right here in 1 Kings chapter 3, and we find here the request. 
Now, I just want to point out a few things about this request as we get into our introduction. Uh, I have the body of the message will be a little bit later. Um, But we find here that God speaks, and praise God, He does speak, and He still speaks today. Amen. He speaks to us. It may not be an audible voice like uh, God did, God the Father, as He says to Jesus as He was baptized there in the Jordan River by John the Baptist, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. But yet we know that God can speak to us through His Word. God can speak to us through preaching. God can speak to us as we're obedient to Him. And He speaks to us through the the person of the Holy Spirit. And I'm thankful today that God still speaks. I know His voice. God still speaks. And if He doesn't speak to you, and I hope that's not the case, but if He doesn't, we need to examine ourselves because God does want to speak to all of us tonight. But the reason possibly that the Holy Spirit may not speak to you could be of sin. Isaiah 59, 2 says, But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. We also find in 1 John 1, verse 5, This then is the message which we have heard of him, and declare unto you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him, and walk in darkness, we lie, and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ his Son cleanseth us from all sin. Solomon here, he loved God, and he followed God's statutes, and God spoke to him. We also find in this passage that we just read that God is supreme. What does that mean? It means that God is all-powerful. God is in charge. God is still on the throne. And how do we find this in this passage? Well, it's simple. Because we have God speaking to Solomon, and the the only thing that he says to Solomon, ask what I shall give thee. Isn't that amazing that God himself would say, hey, Solomon, I'm coming to you. You've pleased me with your life. I know that you have a heart for me. You've worshiped me. And now I want to pay you back. I want to bless you, Solomon. And because I am supreme, because I am in control, and I have all supply that's necessary, just ask what I shall give thee. I'm thankful for Solomon's response we find here that Solomon said, hey, uh, Lord, I'm not going to ask for riches. I'm not going to ask for a long life. I'm not going to ask for the life of my enemies. But yet I'm going to ask this one thing because I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm going to ask for wisdom. God, would you give me a wise and an understanding heart so that I can judge and that I can help your great people? Because your people is is as the sand of the sea for multitude. I can't even count them. But Lord, I pray for wisdom. God was pleased with that as we find in verse number 10. The speech pleased the Lord. And I not only see here that God speaks and that God is supreme, but I also find that God supplies. And he does supply our needs. God supplies here at Solomon beyond what he even asked for. We're reminded that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills, the wealth on every mine. Uh, God has unlimited resources. God gives above all that we could ever ask or think. And I rejoice today that God, uh, his plans and his ways are higher than my ways. I'm thankful that uh, God's plan trumps my plans that I would make. You may think that you have it all planned out. You may think that, okay, this this is it. Uh, This is what I'm going to do in my life. This is the resources I have. This is what I'm going to do. This is my occupation. This is how I'm going to plan out my life. But yet, God steps in and he might have something completely opposite for you. But I'm thankful that when he brings us through his plan, it ends up so, so much better than what we ever would have planned. Could I encourage you tonight, just an introduction, would you give your plans to God and let him bring it to pass? 
I think about Joseph. And Joseph, he went to the pit. And then he went to the palace. And then he went to uh, the, the jail. And then he went back and was restored to, to being second in command in all of Egypt. And he was the very instrument that spared uh, Egypt, but also spared God's people and spared his family from a, a terrible seven-year famine. But it was all because Joseph maintained a testimony that he obeyed and pleased God. And because of that, God's plan was so much better than he would have ever dreamed of. He thought maybe, well, my father likes me. And so maybe I'll just have a good life because I'm my father's favorite. But God had a bigger plan. We also find that David defeated Goliath. I don't think David had planned to kill that bear and to kill that lion to protect his sheep. But yet God brought those to pass so that he could kill Goliath one day. And all of that was not a part of David's plan, but it was a part of God's plan. And God exalted David because he was a man after God's own heart. We find that Daniel, he survived the lions, didn't he? Daniel's friend survived the fiery furnace because of that fourth man that showed up. Peter gathered an abundance of fish after toiling all night because he obeyed the Lord's command by casting out a net again. Lazarus rose up from the dead three days later. Mary and Martha, they were stressed. They couldn't believe that Jesus could be late. But yet Jesus was right on time because Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. That wasn't their plan, but it was a much better plan than what they had. The multitudes were miraculously fed. Isn't it amazing? The disciples were running around like crazy trying to think, we don't have enough money to even go into town and feed this great multitude that's here in the wilderness. But yet Jesus said, hey, just obey my command. And they did. And God's plan turned out so much better. I'm thankful that when we have a thought and we have a plan in our life, God steps in and he just multiplies it. And God will bless you beyond measure if we give him our everything, as Miss Kelly sang about this evening. We find not only did God show up that first time and gave Solomon the request, and God blessed him, and God gave him more than what he even asked for, but we also find a second time. Would you turn with me in 1 Kings chapter 9, just a few pages over. This is the second time that God meets with Solomon. 1 Kings chapter 9, and we'll start in verse number 1. I hope you don't mind if we read a lot of scripture tonight. Verse number one, the Bible says, And it came to pass, when Solomon had finished the building of the house of the Lord and the king's house, and all Solomon's desire, which he was pleased to do, that the Lord appeared to Solomon the second time, as he had appeared unto him at Gibeon. And the Lord said unto him, I have heard thy prayer and thy supplication that thou hast made before me. I have hallowed this house which thou hast built, to put my name there forever, and mine eyes and mine heart shall be there perpetually." And if thou wilt walk before me as David thy father walked, in integrity of heart and in uprightness to do according to all that I have commanded thee, and will keep my statutes and my judgments, then I will establish the throne of thy kingdom upon Israel forever. As I promised to David thy father, saying, There shall not fail thee a man upon the throne of Israel. But if ye shall at all turn from following me, ye or your children, and will not keep my commandments and my statutes which I have set before you, but go and serve other gods and worship them, then will I cut off Israel out of the land which I have given them. And this house which I have hallowed by my name, uh, for my name will I cast out of my sight. And Israel shall be a proverb and a byword among all the people. Here we have the second time that God appears to Solomon, uh, like he did at Gibeon in a dream. And God says, Solomon, here it is. Here's your choice. Here's the ultimatum. If you obey me and you worship me alone, I will bless you. And it will be beyond measure. But if you choose to disobey me or your children choose to disobey me, well, that'll bring the curse of God. And you will be a proverb and a byword 
among uh, all the people. And so we have in the second time, we see not the request, but now we have the blessing. God chooses to bless Solomon. He just finished uh, building the temple, finished building the king's house. And God chooses to bless Solomon because Solomon is still uh, choosing to worship God with all of his heart. You know, it's amazing as we look at how God blesses him after this point. After Solomon gets done uh, with the temple, it's amazing how God uh, gives Solomon everything he didn't ask for. The wealth, uh, the, the, the reputation. Uh, God gave him peace from his enemies. God gave him productivity. He was able to do so much and accomplish much. And he also gave him joy. And not only did the king Solomon have joy, but as the queen of Sheba came to visit Solomon, we find that she, her personal testimony was that not, not only was the king joyous for all that God is doing, but even the king's servants, those that served the king, they had joy. And they were happy. They were, they were pleased to serve at the pleasure of the king. The queen of Sheba comes and uh, proves Solomon with hard questions. She traveled 1,500 miles, and that is the distance from here to Mexico. So that's a pretty, pretty uh, decent trip there. Uh, the queen of Sheba was speechless to see Solomon's riches and wisdom. Now, just to give us an idea of how much uh, wealth Solomon had, I looked it up, and Solomon's yearly income was 686 talents of gold. Now, to put that into perspective to today's standard of gold, we find that one gram of gold cost about $38. So at this price, a talent, which is 33 kilograms of gold, would be worth about one billion four hundred million one. Uh, I'm sorry, one million four hundred thousand one hundred sixteen fifty-seven. So we have uh, that times. You do the math. I'm not going to six hundred eighty-six talents, and that's a lot of money. That is a lot of money, and that's just the gold that came in. Besides everything else that was given to King Solomon, I dare say that uh, Elon Musk had nothing on Solomon. As a matter of fact, when Solomon was building the temple. He chose, you know what his paint color was? It was gold. And it wasn't just the color gold, it was, it was pure gold. I mean, gold was coming in, in in abundance to where he turned gold into paint, and he was just overlaying that whole temple in gold. What an amazing sight that would have been to see that first temple there. But Solomon was very wealthy. The very house of God was overlaid with gold. They used that gold as paint. And so we see that God is blessing Solomon the second time that he shows up. And now we find the third time. Go ahead and turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 11. 1 Kings chapter 11, the first time was in Gibeon. And we have God's request. Solomon, ask me what I shall give thee. Solomon makes a wise decision and he gets wisdom. We have the second time God appears uh, just like he did at Gibeon. And God reminds him of the blessing and cursing that could follow from obedience or disobedience to him. And now we find the third time. And we find... The unfortunate time that God appeared to him. In verse number 1 of chapter 11, the Bible says, But King Solomon loved many strange women, together with the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Zidonians, and Hittites. Go down to verse 4. For it came to pass when Solomon was old that his wives turned away his what? His heart after other gods. Now, all the way back in chapter 3, Solomon, the Bible says Solomon loved God. Solomon followed God. We find 
in verse 1 of chapter 11 that Solomon loved many strange women. And those strange women turned his heart after other gods. Verse 4, And his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. Look down at verse 9, And the Lord was angry. After Solomon had chose wisdom, the Bible says in verse 10 of chapter 3 that God was pleased. But now we find in verse 9 of chapter 11 that the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart was turned from the Lord God of Israel, which had appeared unto him twice. And so we find that God says, okay, because you have chose to disobey me and because your heart has turned away from me, therefore you will experience the curse of God. He said, but not you... Your children are going to experience the kingdom rent from their hands. We're going to turn one more place tonight, and this is where we find our message. In Proverbs chapter 4, go ahead and turn there. Proverbs 20, uh, uh, I'm sorry, Proverbs 4, verse 23. That's where we're going. This is a very proverb that Solomon had written. As a matter of fact, because of the amount of wisdom that God had given to Solomon, Solomon was able to, to write thousands of Proverbs. We have 31 Proverbs in the book of Proverbs, but, but that wasn't all the wisdom that he had written. Now we find in verse 4, I'm sorry, Proverbs 4, verse 23, the Bible says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. For Solomon, his heart was after God, but in the course of events his heart got distracted, and his heart got turned away from God, and he lived a life that was self-pleasure instead. So we find here a recipe. We find here a formula of how to keep our heart. And I believe if Solomon would have kept his words, if Solomon would have taken his own advice under the inspiration of God, that he could have been spared the sorrow, and he could have been spared the kingdom so tonight, our challenge is this, how are we going to keep a heart for God? Solomon started off right, it's like our race. He started off right, but unfortunately, he didn't finish. And I hope our desire tonight would not only be to, be fin uh, to, to start, but to finish as well. So how do we keep a heart for God? The Bible says, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. What does it mean to keep? That means to protect. It means to guard. It means to preserve. What is our heart? Is that the organ that's pumping blood inside of our body? Well, it is, but this heart is talking about the seed of the affections and passions. It's the seed of our understanding, the seed of our very will. It's our character. It's our conscience. That's the heart we're talking about tonight. And how are we supposed to keep that heart? Well, we're supposed to keep it with all diligence. And what does diligence mean? It means to uh, have constant effort without negligence. We've got to be on top of it. We've got to be on guard to keep our heart. And what are these issues of life that flow out of our heart? Well, that's the events or the consequences of our actions. And so as we look at this verse tonight, I'm thankful that God doesn't just give us the instruction, but he also gives us uh, the way how to do it, the method. And so, if you will, let's, let's look there at verse 24. We find different uh, parts of the body that God uses here to illustrate how to protect, how to guard, how to keep our heart. And so let's look at that tonight. In verse 24, the Bible says, right after keeping our heart, how do we do it? Well, we've got to do it first by put away from the froward mouth and perverse lips put far from thee. If you're taking notes tonight, number one is mouth. 
Okay, how do we guard our heart? How do we keep our heart? Well, it's, first of all, through the gate of our mouth, the Bible says. It says, put away from thee a froward mouth, and perverse lips put far from thee. What does froward mean? It means not willing to yield or comply with what is required. Disobedient. It's a mouth that is constantly going against the authority of God's word. We must be careful of what we say. Brother Caleb talked about the power of the tongue to elementary chapel today. We must use a filter. We must not always just speak before we think, but we must think before we speak. Take into consideration every word that you say, even the filler words. Isn't it amazing sometimes that we, we say things and we don't even realize we say it? I, I took a professional communications class in uh, college, and you know who my teacher was? It was our pastor. So Pastor Jeremy, we called him Brother Cobernat at college. Brother Cobernat was our professional communications uh, teacher. And I think it's pretty obvious. You can tell by how Pastor speaks. He's very eloquent. And uh, he warned us against something called verbal clutter. That's the ums, ah, uh, uh. You know, those, those verbal clutter uh, words that, that tend to clutter up our language. But there's also other words that we say. Um, that we've got to be careful of because sometimes we say it and we don't even realize that we're saying it. Luke chapter 6 says this in verse 45, A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaketh. So what does that mean? It means that this mouth... We've got to put away a, fro a froward mouth, the, the, the mouth that wants to speak against what God says, wants to be disobedient. And we must be careful of what comes out of our mouth because that is the very thing that reveals what's in our heart. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Teens, what was, when was uh, uh, the last time that you uttered something under your breath after you're corrected by a parent? We've got to be careful because I was there but you know what that shows? It shows our heart. We've got to be careful about the words that we speak. Because if nobody else hears them, God hears them. Number two, let's look at verse 26. The Bible says, I'm sorry, verse 25, Let thine eyes look right on. So we have the next part of the body. Not just our mouth to keep our heart, but we have our eyes our eyes, let thine eyes look right on and let thine eyelids look straight before thee. What are your eyes looking at? Are you focused straight on for what God has for you in your path? Your eyes are a gate that enters the mind and then the heart. We should be focused on what is head, focused on what will be accomplished according to God's will. That's what we should be doing. The Bible says, let's, let's focus on what's ahead. Let's not be distracted what's going on around us. We have the illustration of the horse blinds, right? You put the horse blinds on a horse. What's the purpose? Well, it's to minimize distractions, right? It's to, it's to keep the horse from being spooked. And that is exactly what we ought to uh, strive to do is to keep our eyes forward. And let's not be distracted about what's going on. Remember Peter? Peter was in the boat and uh, he said, uh, Jesus, I, I see you walking on the water there. Do you mind if I come out and join you? And then uh, Jesus said, yes, you can come on out. Peter gets out on that water. And he's walking on water. Literally, the, the only man besides Jesus who walked 
on water. But the Bible says that he got distracted. He started seeing the wind and the waves. And because of that, and he took his eyes off of Christ from looking straight on, he began to sink. So let's be careful with our eyes. Where are we looking? Are we distracted? I remember uh, shortly after I got my driver's license, it was just around that time. And uh, teens, uh, those that you just got your driver's license, it was right around that time where I was getting comfortable behind the wheel. And I was driving, uh, I think it was from church that night, and, and uh, we take Route 6, and it's, it's just a country highway, and uh, th- there's a little S-curve in there that we go around. And when we were driving through that S-curve, and my mom's in the passenger seat, I remember driving, and then all of a sudden, as we're coming around that curve, straight ahead were cows. And it was a part of the drive where I, I kind of, you know, it's, it's like I'm comfortable driving, I'm ready to go home, I'm starting to daydream a little bit. Anybody ever daydream while you're driving? Uh, probably not a good thing. But uh, I remember seeing those cows, and my mind just went straight to the cows. I'm like, wow, there's cows right there. And as I was driving, I, I, I kind of wasn't paying attention to the road, and I started to go toward the cows instead of going on the S-curve and turning left there. And I remember my mom uh, yelling and saying, Nathan, pay attention, what are you doing? And all I could say was, cows. <laughs> I mean, that's, that, that, I'm sorry, Mom. Uh, I, I was distracted. There was cows there. And uh, I'm sure we've all been there to some degree. But don't get distracted. Don't get distracted. There's these things in basketball. I remember as a, as a middle schooler, uh, we, we used them a lot. They're dribbling goggles. Anybody, any, any guys ever use, uh, or girls in basketball, use dribbling goggles? Now, those dribbling, Brother Caleb, thank you. Uh, those dribbling goggles, they have a little platform underneath to where you cannot see below uh, wh- wh- what's going on down here. And so what those goggles do is it helps you to not look at the ball while you're dribbling. That's why they're called dribbling goggles. And you're supposed to learn to keep your head up, and that's, that's what a good basketball does. He, he keeps his head up instead of looking down. And you looked really silly if you had the goggles on and you're still trying to look down and uh, trying to dribble the ball. And uh, that was to, to, uh, to train you how to dribble without looking down. You know, there's some things in the Christian life that we ought to be able to do without having to lose our focus on keeping our eyes ahead. Things like going to church should be a no-brainer. Things like reading your Bible, having a walk with God, and doing things that God would want us to do according to his word. Those are things that, that will keep us looking forward. And those are things that, that should just be habit to us as we look at God's word and, and that we're not distracted by what might be um, to the left or to the right. Let's move quickly here. We have uh, number three, this gate to our heart. We have a mouth. We have our eyes. And then we have verse 26, ponder the path of thy feet and let all thy ways be established. What does ponder mean? It means to think about, to consider and compare the circumstances or consequences of an event. Have you ever thought about why you do what you do? There are things in my life that uh, I just do out of habit. And, uh, and when I think about it, I was like, I, I really don't know why I do that. I probably should probably not do that. And uh, when we think about it, we think about what we do in our daily routine, we should ponder it so that we can get the purpose of why we do it. Sometimes we just do it out of habit. But could I challenge you tonight is where our feet, the the way that we're walking, the path that we're going down, figuratively and literally, are, are we thinking about where we're going? 
Are we thinking about the places that we take uh, our steps in? And let's be careful that we ponder the path of our feet, because if we go in the wrong path, that has an effect on our heart. We ought to guard our heart by pondering the path of our feet. Verse 27 says, remove thy foot from evil. It's kind of like stepping in something that you don't want to step in. All of us with a conscience would say, um, yes, I don't want to uh, step in dog waste. I don't want to step in uh, mud. I don't want to step in bubble gum. And I'm especially not going to leave my foot there and just let it soak in. I remember I had, I had my, uh, my special shoe on uh, several weeks ago, and, and I stepped in, in dog waste. And, and I couldn't believe it because I, I, it's not like I can just change shoes. I have to keep that on so my foot could heal. And uh, I took a hose to it and everything, and, and uh, it's amazing. All right? I, I didn't want that on my shoe. And that's how our attitude should be with sin and the things in our life. We should remove our foot from evil. We should step out of that so that we can uh, properly walk on the path that God would have us to walk on. This is our feet that we're talking about. Our mouth, our eyes, and our feet. And then we have our hands. Let's look there at verse 27. The Bible says, Turn not to the right hand, nor to the left. We have all these different gates that are a gate to our heart. And if we're going to properly guard our heart, we're going to watch what we say. We're going to put a filter there. We're going to watch what we see. We're going to make sure our focus is straight on, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. We're going to make sure that the paths that we're walking down, that our feet are going where they should be going. And as we consider that very thing and the purpose of why we do what we do. But then we have our hands. And our hands like to grab. Our hands like to accumulate. Our hands like to say, oh, that looks nice. Let me take that. And as we go down the path of life, we, we are often distracted and we start thinking, you know what? I could really use this right here. I could really use a new car. Man, I, I could really use this item in my life. I, I know I just watched the infomercial and it looks like it's really effective, so I'm going to go ahead and take that. And if we're not careful, we start accumulating and then our life becomes all about all that we can accumulate we start weighing ourselves down. The Bible says to set aside the weights that easily, easily beset us, but yet our tendency is to grab on. Our tendency is to, to say, oh, wait, I, I don't know where forward heads uh, is leading, so I'm, I'm going to go ahead and just grab onto the things that I know can, can secure me right now. And if we're not careful, we can turn to the left hand or to the right instead of turning to God and letting Him guide us on the straight and narrow path. Now I'm going to end this, uh, this point right here with a little comparison. I think it will really help us. Men and ladies are different. Men and ladies are different. Okay, good. We're on the right track here. And uh, when a man goes to the store to buy something, it's much different than a lady going to the store to buy something. Am I, am I going on the right track here? Now... It's just me, but when I go to the store, I know what I need to get. As a matter of fact, my wife maybe would even get a checklist for me to get. And so I go to the store, and you know what I do? I get the things that I, I'm supposed to get. I, I check off the list. I go, I get it, and I go home. But ladies are a little bit different, and I know it's just not my wife. But ladies will walk into a Walmart 
or walk into Target, and uh, we go into Target, and I, I know she's, she's already told me, we got the game plan. She's already said, okay, we need to get this at Target. I said, okay, that's easy. And so we walk in together, and I'm walking toward that item in the store, and I said, hey, honey, I, I th- honey, <laughs> wait, uh, Grace, what do you... It's that first section, you know, the $5 and below section that has all the great bargains and all the cool little trinkets. I said, uh, Grace, I, I don't think that's where everything is that we need to get, you know. And, and so we're, we're, we're trying to make our way through the store and then it's turning to the left and turning to the right. And, oh, this, is, this looks pretty. And, uh, and so, you know what I found, uh, man, maybe this will help you out. I found there's a little bit, uh, uh, there's a life hack to this thing. The life hack is to hold your wife's hand. And uh, you just hold on to her hand. Sometimes you have to hold it uh, a little bit tighter than at other times uh, through different sections like the Magnolia section in the store. But you just got to keep her going. And uh, so anyway, uh, that, that's, that's a funny, um, funny illustration. But I, I think it, it kind of gets us to think that uh, our, our mind and our eyes and the path that we go and the, the, the way that we go, we should not look to the left and the right. I'm not saying that ladies shouldn't do that. That's just a natural instinct. I understand but yet, in our life, we ought to make sure that we look straight on. Because if we don't, and we turn to every other distraction that, that life offers, we're going to find ourselves very far off the track, and very far off the path that God would have for us. So tonight, we're, we're done with the message, but could I ask you, how are you protecting your heart? Is there, is there any protections there? You know, Solomon was doing, was doing so well. Solomon made the best decision possible when God said, Solomon, what do you want me to give you? If God were to come to you and ask that same question, my mind would be racing. Lord, I I didn't know I'd ever be asked this question. It's amazing. I I really didn't think about it, but uh, let me see here. And we can come up with so many things that we could want or that we could need. But Solomon chose that one thing that he needed and that God was pleased with. Solomon was, was, was headed down the right path. I mean, God was blessing him beyond measure. But the one thing that Solomon forgot to do is Solomon forgot to protect his heart. We find uh, that before, in chapter 3, before Solomon was, was greeted by God with that wonderful request, we find that Solomon first, in verse 1, he married the wife, or I'm sorry, he married the daughter of Pharaoh. He married the daughter of, uh, th- that was in Egypt. And that very alliance was the very thing that would start to turn his heart away from God. It was before he even knew it. It was before Solomon ever had a thought that, that he would turn away from God and worship false gods and, and, and please all his, his many wives that he would have in the future. But yet that very root came to fruition later in his life that would ultimately turn his heart from God. Let's make sure that we are putting a guard on our heart. And I don't know what area that would be for you, but let us consider very carefully our mouth. Let us consider very carefully our eyes, our feet, and our hands. And let's make sure that for us, we would strive to fulfill God's will, God's way. The goal of tonight's message is to make us aware of the gates to our heart, so that we might put a guard on these gates to protect our hearts. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. 
For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week. Thank you.